Welcome to Hindu Insights. My name is Ankur Patel from Los Angeles, and I'm the Director of Advancement for Hindu University of America. With me today is Srimati Sneha Rao, and today we're going to discuss the Western appropriation of yoga. You've seen it, I've seen it. Now let's hear from Snehaji about her research into yoga appropriation. So Snehaji, how did you start researching this topic of yoga appropriation? Good evening, good morning, whatever time is playing at. Um, so I am a first generation Hindu American. I immigrated here when I was 13 um, and I right away joined high school at that time. And coming from India to the U.S. was quite a shock. Uh, what I quickly realized that there was a lot of negative, uh, you know, connotations to presenting and being a Hindu. Um, and also, I, you know, took yoga classes as part of gym classes. And what I learned was yoga was not what was being taught. It was very asana focused, very fitness focused. It was part of the gym class, right? Um, so that uh, affected. Uh, you know, because I was being told by people who were my teachers, my peers, that Hinduism was something negative, but yoga was, you know, just fitness, it really impacted the way that I saw my family, my culture, uh, my relationship to India, my, my parents. I started looking at them in a, uh, you know, slightly skeptical way, and um, it really impacted my life going forward. Uh, where I left the tradition for quite a while until I had a, had my daughter uh, in my early 30s. And I really started thinking about how I was raised and what are the things that I really loved about being Hindu, growing up Indian. Um, and, you know, the, those little things, the learning about yoga, doing puja, uh, you know, were really the things that stood out in my mind. So I really wanted that for her. So that's when I really started researching and thinking about the ways in which Western culture has impacted my relationship to uh, dharma and yoga and how it's been distorted in my head. Uh, so it gave me the strength to really like dig into these things um, as a Hindu person who lives in the West. Well, thanks for sharing that. So now let's get into it. So what is the history? of yoga appropriation. Like you shared your own personal kind of story in a gym class. Initially, I'm like, that's a good idea. We got yoga in gym class, but now you're breaking it down. And is it actually only happening in America or is it a broader phenomenon? So uh, what I discovered through my research and talking with lots of different scholars, people through my work at Hindus for Decolonization was that the history of yoga appropriation goes all the way back to British colonialism, actually. Um, when the British and the Dutch actually tried, were trying to colonize us, they came across uh, yogis, uh, Hatha yogis specifically, and sannyasis who would raid their, you know, the East India Company's, uh, you know, shipments. So, and they would also like go around India and, you know, teach people to resist essentially. So when the British colonization essentially won, uh, you know, you skipping to 1850s, uh, the Sepoy mutiny happened and British colonialism was very dominant at that point. They went ahead and completely criminalized uh, sannyasis, hatha yogis, uh, anybody who was a traveling, you know, fakir, they, they called everybody a fakir, right? Uh, even even uh, Islamic uh, people who were doing the same work for the Muslim community were criminalized at that time. 
Uh, and the other piece of that was that they really criminalized uh, women in these spaces. So they there there's a book by um, uh, recording you know what these British women were complaining up to their government that they were you know the East India Company was pulling. Uh, you know, 10, 12, 13 year old girls from their homes for not dressing modestly and labeling them prostitutes and pulling them into prostitution for their cantonment. And of course, British being the British, they would hand them a certificate and be like, oh, now you can prostitute for us. But in reality, they didn't really have a choice. And so the P and the, they also like started pinning the Hatha yogis as like the people who were doing the stealing essentially of these girls. So the um, feelings amongst Hindus themselves became very negative towards the yogis. Um, but in the late uh, 1800s to early 1900s, you see an influx of Westerners coming to India too, because they were they got very wealthy off of the money that they were extracting, the wealth they were extracting from India. And now they didn't have anything better to do. So they were looking for a transgressive experience. And the women, especially the white women, were looking for something to kind of, you know, push back against the dominant Christian patriarchal culture. So they were traveling all over the world and learning about our traditions and, you know, using them to transgress essentially against their culture. And they would come back to the West and create these huge scandals around practicing yoga or, and they would even appropriate Native American practices and pagan Christian, uh, pagan Western practices, African practices. So no, nobody, nobody's culture was really safe, uh, but they really defined what yoga and Hinduism was for that early 19th century American. And Michael Altman does a really good job of talking about this in his book, um, Hindu, um, Hindu heathens, uh, Hindus and heathens. And I would recommend people read that in the community. Um, so basically going from there, we, you know, th then what happened was the Asians uh, were prevented from immigrating to this country because there was a big yellow scare and that put a stop for indigenous Hindus in, if, from traveling to the West. So the only representative of yoga and Hinduism in the West were really the white women who were uh, transgressing against the patriarchal culture. And they were often represented as people who were, you know, rejecting the good white Christian Protestant culture in the media. So that was the image of the Hindu till the 1950s and 60s when uh, uh, post-civil rights essentially when immigration was lifted and Hindus were again Hindu gurus specifically were able to travel and at that time you see the uh, hippie movement the uh, free love movement all of that coming through and they were really pushing back against that conservative Christian culture and they were mainstreaming a lot of these ideas so they were really exploring Hinduism and yoga um, but then you go into the 1970s when you see the yoga journal startup and at the beginning yoga journal was very much about pushing the boundaries and talking about Hinduism uh, and quoting gurus but they wanted to scale up their movement and this is documented in a paper called Patan from Patanjali to the 
Gospel of Sweat really well, where the authors look at yoga journals specifically. And what they found was the word Hindu essentially disappears in the 1920s, uh, not, I'm sorry, the 1990s, because that's when you see an influx of new immigrants and there's a lot of, uh, you know, angst about immigration and outsourcing um, and Hindu people especially. So instead of the yoga journal and these movement leaders addressing the underlying Hindu phobia, they basically decide to separate yoga from Hinduism. So they stop talking about Hindus. They stop talking about, um, you know, even even basic like niyamas, yamas, uh, the eight uh, eight limbs of yoga, all of it, the Gita, and they stop quoting gurus in, entirely. Um, and they only talk about fitness. Uh, the people on their magazine are always white, thin women. Uh, and they're also like somewhat exotified because, you know, you, you the reason why yoga is a product, is a good product to sell is because it's exotic. It's transgressive for this dominant repressed white culture. So that's really when you see that Hindu-ness, like bindis and stuff like that, now are seen as symbols of transgressive white women become mainstream. I mean, of course, it goes back to the transcendentalist women, but it's now mainstreamed. You see that in Bhakti Fast and all these festivals, which are essentially dominated by white white people, uh, you know, wearing bindi. However, the Hindu person, um, you know, like I immigrated in 99, and I was, you know, uh, bullied for wearing a bindi to school. And I was a presenting Hindu person. That's when I really liked, oh, you know, maybe it's not so safe to wear a bindi in the subway, right? So that was essentially how the appropriation uh, worked. So it wasn't okay for me to be Hindu. However, it was okay for white women to wear bindi and take an asana class and determine for Hindu people what yoga was. And that became just fitness, asana, you know, it was even like competitive. Some of it's like, you better, you know, how do you get into this really advanced posture more easily and that was never what was about what yoga was for me growing up in india what a story like the phases from you know pre-1850s to the the transcendentalist to the civil rights movement or the, the 70s wow so much there Sanji. we're going to continue this conversation when we come back but and before we leave right now just the splitting of yoga from hinduism seems like such a important I don't know if it's nefarious, if it's to sell. What, just to, if you can, just speculate a little bit on the motivations. The motivation, I believe, is entirely capitalistic. It's about selling yoga to a wider audience that is Hindu phobic. So you cannot sell something that's attached to Hinduism if the wider audience thinks that of Hinduism as, you know, patriarchal, supremacist. Um, you know, backwards, superstitious. So instead of dealing with all these negative kind of, imp you know, things that carried over from col colonialism, uh, they simply just don't deal with it. It's the baggage of Hinduism that they don't want to deal with. So they don't want to address that. So they just get rid of Hinduism and they will take, they'll have yoga because they can sell that as an exotic product, but they won't have Hinduism, right? 
Thank you for articulating articulating it so clearly. So we'll be back after this short commercial break. I'm Okra Patel with Hindu University of America with Sneha Rao talking about the appropriation of yoga on Hindu insights. Don't forget to follow us at study at HUA. That's all our Instagram, Facebook handles. Our website is hua.edu. We'll be back shortly. Thank you for staying with us.